Hi, everyone, and welcome to MedEdge. I'm Marcus Grimm. When Tosh and I were first envisioning the types of guests that we had on MedEdge, we had a few rules. We wanted people who were absolutely as passionate about medical education as we were. So that obviously opened us up to a lot of great possibilities. But the other thing that we said was we wanted people to understand that there are a lot of challenges in healthcare today. You can either complain about those challenges or you can be part of the solution. As I like to say, Tosh is pathologically optimistic. And so we wanted to bring on people to the show that were absolutely just like that. So today's guest, um, she comes right out of Central Casting. She's perfect for the program. I'm going to read her bio right here. With over 18 years of experience in graduate medical education, Natasha Brox is a dedicated professional with a passion fostering growth, continuous learning, and of course, big part, mentoring. A compassionate and accomplished individual, Natasha is committed to both her professional and personal development within the healthcare sector. Having completed her undergraduate studies at the University of Arizona, she serves as a distinguished local and national speaker. Natasha also actively contributes to the GME community through her weekly newsletter on LinkedIn and hosts a podcast titled GME Admin Insight. She's perfect for the show today, which is aimed at bringing about positive changes in the medical education landscape. Natasha, welcome to MedEdge. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marcus. Love your intro. First question I have for you, Natasha, is your LinkedIn says that you're you're based in Arizona. Yeah. Um, I'm here on the East Coast, and it, it's pretty early. So either you're not currently in Arizona or you're a morning person, which is it? I am in Arizona, and it is early year, but I'm a morning person. I've been up since like 4.30, so I've been an early person for years, so I've taken advantage of that. When I was in school, I remember one of my professors, they were talking about time management and using the time that you have. And so when I did that, I used to get up early and, you know, lay in bed, scroll on the phone, watch TV until it was time. So I started using those two hours to be productive. I would get my schooling out of the way before I started work. And then once that was done, it was like, okay, what, you know, I have these two, three hours. So that's why I just do a lot of things and I could do a lot before everybody wakes up. So it's like, it's perfect. That's wonderful. I I love to hear stories like that. Now, there's a lot we want to learn today. You've got a podcast, you've got a newsletter intended for GME coordinators and administrators. You recently were named to the board of the National Society of Academic Medical Administrators. Let's take a step back. How did you find yourself in GME? What's your origin story? It's crazy because I wanted to be an obstetrician. So I wanted to deliver babies and everything with babies. But going down that road, I found out I had a weak stomach. And I could not do it. (laughs) You know, like I couldn't even poke anybody with a needle, like bevel up, let's poke. I'm like, eh. So it was like, I know I can't do, I can't do medicine in that form. But I knew I wanted to be in the healthcare field. You know, we had this thing in high school where half day was school and then other half was, I was a CNA. I got my CNA license. And so I would work at a nursing home. So ever since I've been in the medical field, ever since high school. So I just knew obstetrician was it. When I couldn't do that, I was like, you know what? I still want to be in the medical field, so let me see what I want to do. I did front admitting, back admitting, day surgery. And so it was like, I this is this is doesn't feel right. I didn't want to deal with the patients in that sense. So let me do something else. But when I once I got into GME, I was like, whoa, I'm helping the residents who want to be a doctor. Um, something that I wanted to do. And that's when it started to grow within me. Like, hey, they're in the seat that I want to 
happy in. So let me help them grow. Let me help them get to where they need to be, whether it was whatever specialty it was. So that's when I really started to dig into GME and for me to grow. Yep. That's where it started. So right out of the healthcare field. That's awesome. I love that story. Clearly, you're passionate about your career. Why is that? What do you love about GMA? You know, I like I said, I do love the resident part. I do like um, helping them, fostering them, especially now because, you know, they come in so young. You know, they go high school, graduate school, MD, residency. And uh, most times they don't have like real life experience. So helping them to cultivate that, you know, I talk to them like real life, talk to them like, look, so I, I think helping them to grow that way. And then this is the only, this is what I tell my mentees. This is the one time that we can, <laughs> we can boss doctors around. <laughs> we can boss them around. It's like, no, this is what needs to happen. This is what ACG and me said, you know, so it's like, I can boss you around now because I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but you do tend to grow into like this tight knit family that, you know, just supports each other. And then once the resident leaves and their doctors, it's like you still have that bond with them. There's many of doctors. I've worked at Indianapolis, St. Louis, Dallas, and now here. And I am still connected to a lot of my faculty and physicians across the um, country. So I think that's another thing that really that I love. You grow this big family along the way. So that keeps me inspired. I love that. The idea of co-workers who you do it right, they, they almost become like family. So, so that, that that's wonderful. Let's move on to your newsletter now. Many people love their careers. Many of them are as impassioned as you are, but not a lot of people go that extra step and say, you know what? I, I want to share this knowledge with the broader community or, or other people. Do you sort of remember what caused you to decide that there was a resource your community needed and that you were the one to, to deliver it based on your background. Do you remember those conversations with yourself? Well, it was a couple of years ago when I was looking to develop myself professionally. Our entity, we don't have a, a structured professional development, you know, anything. So when I went looking, it wasn't there. So I started to create my own professional development plan. I said, okay, this is where I want to be. And so what do I need to do to get there? So as I went and built my own and was marking things off um, and learning things, um, I have uh, in OneNote, every time I learn something or research something, I put it in OneNote so I can always go back to it, you know, update it or whatever. So in doing that, I was like, if I'm looking for it and if it's not there for me, the whole community is looking for it and it's not out there for them. So I said, see a need, fix a need, you know, and then. That's where the newsletter came because I'm like, okay, well, I want to learn about this. If I want to learn about it, then I'm going to put it out there. And being like some of my coworkers would even ask me questions about, you know, because I've mentored some of them. They were asking me questions about, oh, what about this? And what about that? I'm like, you know what? I would write it up for them. But then in doing so, I'm like, they asked about that. Let me share this with the community. So that's how it all started. And it continues to snowball like to this day. 
see any I, I love that. That That's terrific. And I also love that the tip about anytime you have an idea, put that in one note so you can catalog it. So you started up the LinkedIn newsletter, but but then very quickly you said, you know what, I, I need that a podcast to this and, and video as well. What's the purpose of those additional channels? How do you see them interacting with one another? Clearly, the more channels you do, it's a lot of work. So I'm curious about how you made that decision. Well, a lot of people are not readers. They're audio people. So um, as they're driving to work, they can listen to something like either inspirational and the, the, the podcast slash YouTube is more of a short, inspirational, you know, continue to grow. Here's what you need to do type of um, segments. So if you're walking or if you're working out that quick drive to work on a stressful day, you know, it's going to be stressful, you know. Uh, it kind of keeps you motivated to continue to go. Um, so if you don't have time to sit and read one particular day, the newsletter, because it's like a three minute read, I try to keep it at a three minute read at least, then, you know, you can pop on the podcast and get some type of nuggets, you know, as well as you're moving. Because you and me, we're always busy. So, you know, just something like that. You could be at your desk, you know, and listen to it why are you working? So it, it's helpful for different people, how they learn or how they want to be motivated or fed uh, information. Well, that, that's a great answer. I, I I appreciate that. And definitely providing content where, where people are is it, key. How do you think about audience? GME, as you know, there, there's people who've been in it for a very long time. You've got a very, very deep experience, but there's also been a lot of turnover. So there's people who are coming into the industry that, that are newer that don't have that type of experience. When you're producing content, whether that's your newsletter or, or podcast, how do you think about audience? Who are you trying to speak to with your content? You know, I try to um, go across the board. I try to hit all the spectrums because I know like turnover is high. It's real. So we have a lot of new coordinators, but then we have a lot of seasoned coordinators, right? So I try to hit on the whole spectrum of you're new. This is some of the things that you could benefit from. And then I try to switch the gears and be like, okay, here's for the seasoned people. This is what we need to focus on. In the middle, it's kind of like because of the new and the the season, if you're in the middle, you're you're not really new, but you're not quite seasoned. This is something to look forward to as you still learn and grow. So I try, I do try to hit on every level of the GME community. I think it's terrific. Obviously, people can can learn a lot at, at, at any level. And, and sometimes when we when we think we know it all, that that's who we have even, even more to learn. Yes. As if you weren't busy enough, you've recently been named to the board of directors for the National Society of the Academic Medical Administrators. Congratulations Thank for that. Thank you. Um, but, but please share a little bit about this group and how you decided to get involved. Well, I was... Um, in my journey of my professional development um, a couple of years ago, I want to say maybe two years ago, I had joined them just as a member only because they also do different segments and series for professional development. So when I joined, I went to a conference or two, and then I decided to um, be on their communications committee. So I've been on their communications committee for a while, helping out with their newsletter. I would share some of my nuggets, feed it to them for professional development tips, their conferences. We would select speakers and things like that. So I have been a part of Nasama. That's what is broken down to me. Nasama for probably about two years now. 
And then they were like, they had openings for the board. I'm like, why not? I'm already a part of Nasama. They do great work in helping new and seasoned coordinators in their professional development. So this is an organization that I would love to be with to help grow in that form anyway. So hence, I got selected, which I was like, yay, because I really do love Nasama. And I now I sit on the board of directors. There's definitely an undercurrent of everything that you're doing that I think fits broadly into content and, and education, for GMA coordinators and, and administrators. Um, but I've also seen many articles in there that, that are not about like Irish reports, um, topics like mentorship and, and career growth. In your opinion, um, are either of these more essential right now? Or, or how do you think about these topics and the type of education you're providing? You know, I, I think about it all just in a whole melting pot, actually, because I feel that if you want to grow professionally, you still have steps to get you to the level that you want to be. So you have to learn as you grow. And then as you grow, you're developing yourself, but you may think that you're developing the right way. So you do need a mentor to look at what you're doing to say, yeah, but no. You know, this is what, you know, steer this way a little bit, or maybe you're too hard over here, or maybe you're too soft over there. You're, you know, your leadership skills are just not quite, you know, you need that mentor to talk to you because you can see yourself one whole, one whole different way. And everybody else can see you a totally different way. So as you learn and grow and build yourself and continue to level up, you still need fine tuning along the way. So that's why, you know, I just think it's all one because you once you grow and you're morphing into something else. So this new you needs to be, you know, tamed and adjusted and then you morph again and then you need more adjustments. So that is just an ongoing process that way. Yep. Learning, developing and mentoring. One of the things I love most about your, your podcast and your content is that you're not afraid to do a deep dive. A, a, a topic I really enjoyed recently was, was you went into iris reporting, a real deep dive on why iris reporting matters. Then another one is all about networking. So there's a real balance between the, the hard stuff and the soft stuff. I often sometimes say that, well, the hard stuff actually is the soft stuff. But why do that? Why talk about networking in one episode and iris reports in, in, in another? Because I, I want to keep something for everybody, you know, for the newer and the season. We have so many new coordinators and they don't understand about Iris. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like if they knew in the beginning how it affects everything else, funding and money, then they would be like, OK, so when I'm putting this in, let me put it in right. You know, they don't think about that. You know, when you're hiring a coordinator, you don't think about Let's go over this. <laughs> you know, you just like, okay, here's your seat. There's your computer. Get to work, you know. And it's so many important um, pieces that if coordinators only knew in the beginning, it will streamline and make other work so much easier. And I remember years ago, I was in SLU, and this is how I found out about Iris because even though I had stepped in the seat, somebody else was there. They didn't put it in right. So they were, I didn't know that they kept, you know, making adjustments every time, you know, they got called by the leaders. And so then they called me and was like, well, we need this and this fix and what's this? And I was like, what is this? So I was like, I'm the type of person where, okay, let, can you sit down? Let's go over this. 
Why is this needed? What am I doing? Let I need to know from A to Z what what's going on. And so once I was explained and showed and showed how it connected, you know, with the money and, and to CMS and everything, I was like, oh, oh, this is very important. Ever since then, it was like, nope, got to make sure that's correct. And it helped me, you know, as I moved along in my journey. So I think even though it was for more maybe of the middle section of the uh, program coordinators, it hopefully will help the new ones to be like, hmm, what is she talking about? Let me let me look into this. Right. And then for the middle ones who are there, who already have their job, you know, their task down. Okay, let me make sure mine is okay. But then it was like, okay, so you're learning this iris, but don't forget, you also have to network or you also have to make sure, you know, just to keep everybody in balance of if you really want to grow professionally, make sure your duties and your tasks are done complete and right. But make sure you are also, you know, networking or how you speak with the your uh, C-suite or make sure your emotional intelligence is intact when you, you know, have these difficult conversations. So it's like they all work together. So, you know, bringing something that's more in depth and then following up with, OK, you know, this is how you speak to the sweet suite. OK, so, you know, don't forget you have to do this. So it's kind of like a balance of both um, that I tried to put out to the um, Jimmy community. Being able to have difficult conversations with the CC is critical, especially when there's money involved and, and bringing it back to why those Irish reports actually matter. That's critical. That, that is critical. Yes. It is your money. We've been talking about your history with GME and about all the work that, that you've done to be a resource to the community. But I'm curious to what end. Um, as you think about future generations of GME leaders, 10 years, five years down the road, what's your hope for them as well as the community as a whole? What does this community need right now? And what are you hoping to push it toward? Well, I, I really think uh, GME uh, community, they need more development, professional development, like industries, like where can we go? We need more, not just maybe one or two. We need several houses of learning or development or teaching, maybe a house for, you know, a new, because when you're a new coordinator, you really don't get trained. You really don't get trained. Maybe some of the bigger, bigger institutions, they may train their coordinators, but like in depth, they don't get trained. So like hopefully moving forward, a good training program, more learning and teaching programs that you know, maybe boot camps they can go to and come back. Just uh, more professional development avenues for program coordinators, especially the ones that want to grow and become more and, you know, do more. Where else can they go besides a, a program coordinator? Then you have manager, then you have a director. Like, even if they want to go outside, Jimmy, you know, how do you get there? So just learning avenues like that, um, just for the GME community, because right now it is a struggle. It's a struggle for everyone who wants to grow, who wants to learn, who wants to develop. And we don't have that. So more of that in our community would be uh, great. It's essential. It really is essential and crucial for us. And then like me personally, I'm, I'm working on some some great new things. So hopefully soon um, I will have, you know, I will have more announcements. Well, we certainly look forward to those as well. You've got the newsletter, you got the podcast and the video. We're looking forward to, to, to seeing what, what, what comes next. 
Um, this has been a lot of fun today, Natasha. Really appreciate you, you joining us. Um, I have a few other questions that, that, that I want to ask you now. We're going to have a little fun here. I'm going to ask you a couple questions about your phone. My yeah, first yeah, question yeah. is, um, are you an iPhone user or an Android user? I'm iPhone blue all the way. You can always tell people very, very quickly fit into one category or another. You, you always know what happens when you come across an Android user. I don't know. I know because you're green. <laughs> So let's say um, something terrible happened and tomorrow you woke up and there were only three apps that you could use on your phone. Um, what would those apps be? I have to have my LinkedIn. I have to have my LinkedIn. I can't survive without that. And you know, I I love to shop. So I have a shopping app. I have to have that. I, I'm a girl. I love to shop. Um, so I have to have that. And um, and probably my music, um, my music um, app, you know, you got to have some solitude. You got to have that music going. Absolutely. And if we if we think back before the iPhone, it, it was just an iPod. So I'm sure they're happy. You're, you're keeping the original app on there. And finally, now, you don't need to show it to us, but but if we were to look at your camera, tell us a story about a very recent picture you took and uh, how it came to be on your phone. I'm going to share because I love it. So every time a new movie comes out, my son's always, especially like a DC or whatever, he's like, oh, let's go to the movie. So we always have like a monthly movie date. And so we saw Aquaman. And when I tell you, I took this picture, right? And he was like, why are you taking pictures <laughs> in the movie? I'm like, it's Aquaman. That is great. Natasha, this has been so much fun. Thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you. No, thank you, Marcus. It was, it was fun. I liked it. So today we've been speaking with Natasha Brox. She is a professional GME coordinator who shares her knowledge with the community through her newsletter, GME Admin Insights. There's a newsletter, there's a podcast, you can catch her on YouTube as well. Uh, Natasha's very active on LinkedIn. She encourages you to check her out there. You've been listening to MedEdge, which is brought to you by the folks at Medtrix Lab. Medtrix, practice medicine, not software. Learn more at MedtrixLab.com. For everyone at MedEdge, I'm Marcus Grimm. <laughs>